So um, we're continuing our series in Acts about partnering with the Holy Spirit. And I've kind of entitled today's Freedom to Love. I know it sounds a bit hippie-ish, but uh, actually this whole world is created on love. It holds together through love, through the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, actually we're designed to love and to be loved by God. And uh, so that's why I've called it that. And hopefully through our passage, we're going to be looking at Acts 10 today. I'm going to just draw out different things about how we can be free to love and be loved as God intended. Okay, so Acts chapter 10 is, I'm not going to read it all through to you, but I'll just give you an overview of what happens. It's two main characters, a guy called Cornelius and a a man called Peter. Um, So let me just give you a quick overview. I'll give you a little picture of the characters, and then I'll just set the scene which, which happens in that chapter. So the first character, Cornelius, he's a, a Roman centurion, I guess equivalent today of an army captain. He'd have worked probably in the same battalion as the Roman soldiers that put uh, Jesus on the cross. Uh, he was part of an exclusive... Um, he wasn't actually part of the exclusive Jewish community. He was actually called a Gentile. Uh, which was actually the largest population of the Roman Empire at the time. And uh, he feared God, but he'd not yet received the gospel of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Other things we know about him, he prayed regularly and he gave to the poor. So the first scene is actually with him, Cornelius, praying. And whilst he was praying, an angel came and told him to send some friends to a man called Peter, who was living in Joppa, about 30 miles away, and bring him back to his house. So an angel came and told him to do this, to send some friends and collect this man and bring him back to his home. Meanwhile, the second character, Peter, guess what he was doing? He was praying. So Peter, if you didn't know, he's like a, he was a devout Jew. He had been raised on strict rules and regulations, strict traditions. And he actually held extreme prejudice against the Gentiles. He would have thought they were a bit unclean, a bit common. He may have been raised by strict Jews that felt that you shouldn't help a Gentile wife, a, a woman, when in when in labor, because you're just helping and aiding another Gentile to come into the world. So they really didn't like the Gentiles. So, as I said, the second scene is Peter, whilst he was praying, he became hungry. I don't know if any of you have had that experience. You're going to spend a bit of time praying, and your tummy starts to rumble. and uh, It can happen to the best of us. And uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it may not be your stomach rumbling. It may be uh, you just feel a little bit tired or you need to lie down. Or... But so Peter can empathize with you if you've had that experience. So he becomes hungry. And then he falls into a bit of a trance. And then he sees this vision from God. And these sheets are being lowered down before him with all sorts of animals inside the sheets. 
and uh, it talks of reptiles and lots of different four-legged animals. I mean, use your imagination. Chameleons, I don't know, crows, hedgehogs, whatever you like. We're in this sheet, armadillos. Depends on your imagination. And this sheet, lots of different animals. Okay? And then a voice telling him, when he sees this picture, get up, kill, and eat. Now, I don't know if you're feeling hungry, if you're imagining some of these animals in this sheet, you may not feel hungry. Well, his response is, surely not, Lord. And it may have been your response too, as he looks at this array of surf and turf and different, uh, different animals on this sheet. It's a bit of a contradiction anyway, what he said, surely not, Lord. On one hand, he's saying, Lord, Master, and he's saying, surely not. And this happens three times. The sheet gets lowered, and uh, he's told to get up and kill and eat the food. And he says, surely not. So while he's thinking about the meaning of this odd picture, three of the servants, which Cornelius had sent on the way to go and collect Peter, knock on the door. And um, at the same time, Peter is told by the Lord to get up and go. Remember a few weeks ago, I spoke on this. If you look throughout the whole of Acts, this command to get up and go is seen. So he's told, get up and go. And so he's obedient. And then the third scene is that they are traveling to, from Joppa to Caesarea, and they go to Cornelius' house. They may have traveled through the night, but the next day they arrive at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius had gathered together a big party of friends and family, and they were all gathered in his home. Now, you need to understand that this isn't a normal scenario that this group of Gentiles were inviting a, a devout Jew into the home. They just didn't mix in that scenario. So on entering, Peter, Peter enters the home and Cornelius falls at his feet. And Cornelius says, please get up, I'm only a man myself. And then he says, I'll paraphrase it, you know it's against Jewish law for a Jew to mix with you Gentiles. But basically God says it's okay. So at that moment, I think he understood the picture that was before him. And he remembered the words, do not call any man impure that God has made clean. So in that moment, he realized that he could mix with the Gentiles. And that the Lord Jesus hadn't just come for a select few, but he'd come for everyone. And so this is the message we want to hear this morning for ourselves as well. The Lord Jesus Christ hasn't come for a select few. He's come for everyone, praise God. So then Kinnia says, come and speak what the Lord's commanded you. To speak to us this morning. I don't know if it was this morning. This day. 
And then Peter proceeds to give the good news, the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, that he is the Lord of all and that everyone, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. This is the good news that Cornelius and his family needed to hear. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down and all heard the word. And then they started speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then later they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this account of the early church as it grows from this small contingent and spreads across and into the homes of the unlikely homes of the Gentile community. So the first thing I think we can learn is things happen when you pray. Both these characters, the scenes open with them both praying actually. It was whilst they praised that God revealed an angel and a vision to these characters. When we pray, God reveals himself to us. He reveals his purposes and his instructions to us. When we're considering with partnering with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to remember that it's about partnering with the presence, the presence of Jesus. It's not about looking for his power primarily. It's about partnering with the presence and coming into his presence And actually, in his presence, that's where you find power. Prayer connects you with his presence and opens the window for him to talk to you. God is so desiring to communicate with his people. And so prayer does that. Secondly, God chooses to use us. I gave a really helpful picture, I think it was last week actually, about um, children in the kitchen making a a cake or something. And um, I just think this is actually really useful. Uh, You know, mistakes happen. It's a bit messy. Actually, God could probably do it very much quicker way. It would look better at the end. But God, in his profound wisdom and divine purposes, he chooses to use us. And I think that's wonderful. And you can see here in in this story that we're reading this morning... You know, God revealed an angel and he revealed a vision. He could have just carried on and just given them the gospel to Cornelius. He could have just told them about his son, but he chose not to. And I think we need to listen to this. Yes, he does reveal himself divinely in people's lives, but he's chosen to use us. Uh, You've got to ask why, why this is, and I think... I think it's partly because God is looking for our love through our obedience. And he asked both Cornelius and uh, Peter to do something. And their love was uh, expressed through their obedience to him. Uh, But also, it was important that this gospel message of there's one new man in Christ... 
It's great to hear that, but you can only really understand it when you're sat next to someone in their home that you before didn't even give the time of day for. And um, it's when you start rubbing shoulders with your enemy that the true love of God is really expressed. And so there's a big lesson for everyone to learn here, for both Cornelius and for Peter. Light. And I guess I would put it out there. If there's anyone here that's waiting for that bright light moment, for that moment where God divinely reveals himself to you, actually, he may be just wanting to send the person next to you and reveal Christ to you in that way. And so, please be open to that. God uses us. And also, be open to the fact that he might be using you and sending you to the person next to you. And you may be praying for people and saying, God, just reveal yourself to, to them. Actually, he just wants you to go and reveal Christ to them through your life. Um, so, things happen when you pray. God uses us. And uh, thirdly, loving God and loving others is intrinsically linked and it is summed up in the, the gospel. And I think through this passage we can see how both, both men loved God, but they needed to learn lessons about loving uh, people as well. So loving God, I've put a coin on there. It's, it's the, it's, uh, there's no separating loving God and loving people. It's two sides to the same coin. Now, Cornelius prayed for and gave gifts to the poor. And what does it say there in verse 4? If you've got your Bibles, you can look at this. It says, the angel said it was like a memorial offering to God. So his response to the poor and praying for the poor and giving gifts to the poor, it was like an offering, a sacrifice to God. It was like a sweet-smelling sacrifice, an act of worship, an act of devotion to God as he gave and he prayed for the poor. By loving your fellow man, you're reflecting a kingdom value. And by doing that, you're actually drawn into the Father's heart, into the King's heart, and deeper into his purposes. In Matthew 22:37 to 39, it says, When experts of the law asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think we're all good with the first one. That's, that's good. We can come to church. We can go in our bedrooms or whatever, and we can love God. And he's so worthy of our praise. But to actually, alongside that, is love your neighbor. They're so linked, these, these two commands. The, the highest state of every man, the highest state of transcendence for every man is to love God. That's our purpose. But in the heart of loving God is loving man as well, loving your neighbor. 
Oh, there's a few more passages which I'll share with you. So 1 John 4, 11 to 21. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I'm going to label this point a bit longer just so it really gets inside you. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And there's another passage in Matthew 25. It's image of the king and the last day, the final judgment, and the king separating the sheep and the, sheep and the goats. And it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? And then here, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So loving God and loving others is so intrinsically linked, you cannot divide them. And like Peter, we may be in the same situation where we need to have some barriers broken down and some prejudices towards others that need to be removed. Do we need to hear what God said to Peter? What God has made clean, do not call unclean. Let's not be the ones to make the judgment who's worthy and who's not worthy, who's clean and who's unclean. It's God's God's call. God's, God's words and truth are not learnt in the classroom, in here, as you're at home. They're, they're, they're met as you rub shoulders with people. And uh, all theology has to have a, a practical outworking in your day-to-day lives. And um, so maybe why don't you consider who you think actually... I've got prejudices against them and I need to have God enter in and just change my way of thinking. The challenge is for us every day to demonstrate acceptance and love and in- inclusion towards every, every person. And out there there's so many barriers, racial barriers, class barriers, religious, gender I thank God that he doesn't make any distinction. He doesn't show favoritism towards anyone. 
but he's a universal Lord and Saviour. Okay, so point four. Um, do all religions lead to God? Um, I've got this from the bit where Cornelius obviously did have some faith in God. And um, he prayed to God and he, he did good. And um, he feared God. But did he have a living relationship? Was he born again? And we need to ask this with all, all religions and all faiths, all cultures, do they all have an equal basis to be acceptable before God? And it's a question that's come up several times in the Christianity Explored course. But I think it's good for ourselves to ask this question as well. Now recently, because I think it's prevalent across uh, our whole community, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's people here that actually in the back of their mind think, actually, are all, do all gods lead to the same person? And I met a woman just the other day. She came in to revive, and I got talking to her. And when she found out I was a leader, she was very quick to tell me that she's a Christian and uh, she does go to church occasionally. And uh, we talked a bit further, and she just said things like... Um, Actually, we all, we all worship the same God, don't we? And uh, it's not about which God we worship. It's just about understanding that there's a higher being above us and that we're, we're not the ones in control. And so Cornelius did demonstrate belief in God. He believed in God's existence. And he was certainly very earnest in his prayers. But was he saved? I think we just need to consider how much the, the extent of the lengths that God went to to bring someone to him. And he spoke to Peter and he spoke to Cornelius in bringing someone to bring the gospel to him. And uh, belief in God doesn't actually necessarily mean you're a Christian. Because if you think about it, actually the devil believes in God. And, uh, but I would say it's a brilliant starting place. I'm not despising belief in God at all. And I think for Cornelius, he was just on a journey, as many of you may be here. And so I'm not despising it. It's a brilliant starting place. So does doing good works or praying make you a Christian? I was thinking about this, and you know, I could put on a gorilla suit. I could probably do some quite convincing gorilla noises, and I could walk them down a compound in a zoo. And uh, it doesn't actually make me a gorilla. And I think actually, for some Christians, we can do all the right actions and make the right sounds, but it doesn't make us a Christian. But actually, it's a good starting point. I'm not despising it at all. Let's read Ephesians 2.8. It's really important that we understand this. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is 
Our faith isn't something that we do. It's not through our prayers. It's not through our good deeds. It's a gift from God. It's a grace gift from God to each one of us. Sincerity doesn't make you a Christian. Atheists are actually very sincere about what they believe. Christians are sincere about what they believe. We can't both be right. Today, um, I mean, Islam claims that Allah is the one true God. And if this is true, then Hindus and Christians are wrong. Everybody can't be right. So this religious pluralism, if you want to call it that, please don't be in danger of just accepting every faith. Please, you know, as compassionate Christians, there could be a danger of us just letting this go past and not wanting to appear prejudiced or intolerant. You could be in danger of just retreating and just uh, taking the safe option and not wanting to rock the religious boat. Peter's speech clearly speaks here of you know, how God does see the differences in nations and he doesn't have any favourites across the nations and across the religions. But he does make a distinction when it comes to faith and the gospel and the good news. And for that reason, he commanded Peter to bring the gospel to uh, Cornelius and his family. And he says this, preach the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, because he is Lord of all. He wants them to know that everyone who believes in him, in Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's really important that we understand that Jesus is the way. He's not just a way to God. He's not just even the best way. He is the way. He's not a way. He's the way to the Father. John 17.3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So five, Cornelius created an environment for receiving the word and the spirit. Uh, my question to you is, do you regularly create an environment where you're receiving the word and the Holy Spirit? I mean, you're all here this morning, so I think that's good. You're making steps to come, hopefully, to hear God's word and to receive his spirit. Why is it so important? Because it says in Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the word. I think I shared last week, there's so much power in God's word to bring transformation, to bring life. And uh, actually, why don't you just bow your head for a moment now? 
Why don't you pray something along these lines? Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Ask God that his word and his spirit would bring transformation to your life today. Okay, our lives are bombarded every day with so many different words and messages and marketing. I think... I think in America, it says that possibly 4,000 different uh, advertisements a day American might see. I don't know if that's true. And uh, I remember a Christian leader saying, when, when interviewed, he said, uh, aren't Christians just brainwashed? And I think he responded in a way and said, we're all brainwashed. It's just what you're choosing to wash your brain in. And I thought it was actually a very quick response. But uh, it's true, isn't it? We, we, messages are coming to our lives all the time. All the time. Get yourself an environment where you are in a position to receive some word which is going to wash your brain in truth, in something which is going to renew your mind. Do it as a daily thing. Other messages are coming to your head each and every day. Make a decision to create an environment where you're going to receive God's word. word and his spirit bring revelation of truth and release freedom and freedom to do the things that we're talking about freedom to love the Holy Spirit brings freedom so it's where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom and so when we're talking about love when we talk about loving God and loving man the Holy Spirit will loosen you in that where you feel there's a barrier he can loosen you in that and he gives us different gifts. And uh, this is my final point about what happened when the word came. The Holy Spirit came on all of them. And then they started singing out praise to God and singing out in tongues. And where the Spirit comes and the word is combined, I believe it brings a great release to people. And it's one of the expressions of this freedom is through speaking in tongues, actually. And I just wanted to just talk a little bit about the gift of tongues because I don't know if we teach about it much, but it is a gift of the Spirit which loosens people. And I don't want it to be pushed aside. I want us to keep going with the gift of tongues. Actually, Shirley said this morning, she came forward and said, I believe... Uh, we need to let the Spirit breathe. I wholeheartedly believe that too. We need to let the Spirit breathe. Don't quench the Spirit amongst us. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Are you pursuing love? And are you earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts? I don't want you to 
approach the Holy Spirit and the gifts with fear and suspicion, but with faith and liberty. So just on tongues, it's probably better translated just languages. Just languages. The gift of languages. And we talk of love languages. I think this is wonderful love language that God's given us to communicate with him. And sometimes, I mean, you can see it all the way through Acts. At the beginning, there were some recognizable languages, earthly languages, but also I believe there's spiritual languages which we won't be able to directly translate. And this, this gift, there's lots of different gifts, prophecy, words of wisdom, healing. This particular gift is the only one which is in there which is there to encourage ourselves and edify and build up. So it's a gift that I don't want you to lose. I want you to embrace. Because it's a gift specifically given to build yourself up. A lot of the other gifts are for the body ministry. But the, the gift of tongues is to encourage you. Now personally, I... Uh, I use this gift fairly regularly, every day, I'd say. And it was Paul's desire that everyone spoke in tongues. And I echo his desire. And my desire for you is that everyone here speaks in tongues. Because I know the release and the encouragement it gives me, I want you all to know that too. So when I feel low in my spirit or confused, anxious about things, if I haven't really got the words to say, I will just start speaking in tongues. I will pace up and down and start speaking in tongues. And I just know breakthrough coming. It just brings clarity to my spirit. I feel immediate connection with God. Sometimes I need to push through I don't get that immediately, but I push through and just peace and joy and hope comes. Sometimes I start speaking in tongues and it starts turning into just singing in tongues. And there's just a release of praise and worship and adoration that comes. I long for this, for each one here too, that there'll be a welling up, springs of living water bubbling up from within. Talks in the... Corinthians. If you want to know more, I'm just going to scrape the surface. You can read Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, if you need some more information, and you can speak to me at any time. It talks about uh, how we mutter mysteries in the Spirit. It's a really difficult one to convey to you, but something happens. God uses the gift of tongues for us to communicate directly with Him. You start groaning something of his desire your worship starts to be unblocked and there's just a releasing of uh, what God has put within you it just comes out from within and I, so I encourage you to keep going maybe you've laid this, this gift down 
I'd encourage you to go again. And I believe it's also for the use in the corporate setting as well. It's not just for you privately, it's for a public use. It says in uh, Corinthians, uh, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, I think in the corporate setting, there's different ways that we do it. We can all sing together, and that's good. But actually, if someone feels a welling up and just to do an individual tongue, maybe at the end of worship, it dies down, then someone speaks up in a tongue. In that instance, I believe someone else in the room will be given the gift of interpretation. And it may be that person, it may be a different person. And then God will use that person to interpret the heart of that message. Again, it's not going to be a direct translation. It'll be the heart of the message and the the feeling of what the person has just said out to God. And I think it's all Godward. It's all, it's all a sense just praising and glorifying him. It won't be something which you start internalizing and praying about yourself. It's just worship to God. And, um, and so we'll just pause and we'll wait. If someone sings out in tongues, we'll wait for someone else to use their gift of interpretation and, and then bring the message to us. And... I know sometimes if that's happened in the past, it can be a tense moment. I just want to say, it's okay. It doesn't need to be a tense moment. We're just, we're we're children in the kitchen having a go, aren't we? Making a bit of a mess of things. It's all right. And guess what? Even if an interpretation doesn't come, that's okay too. That's all right. We're we're not going to sort of go, oh, we've messed up. Did you hear what happened in that church in Chertsey? They had a tongue without any... It's not like that. We're just having a go, okay? So um, just be easy about that and be relaxed. I'm fairly relaxed. I hope you know that. And so let's just keep going in this, yeah? Let's keep going. God's desire is to communicate with his people. Has been from the... That's why we've got our Bibles. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are being given. Prophecy, tongues and interpretation. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. He wants to talk to us all the time. Let's not quench the spirit. Let's allow him to speak to us in different ways. Yes? Okay. Acts 1. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this passage we're reading in, in Acts 10, we can see that again as the Holy Spirit was poured out while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all Jews and Gentiles, all who heard the word. And he's, got, he's not showing favoritism again. You may feel that you, you're not like others. You don't fit. God's not separated you in any way. He's a universal king and universal one who wants to give the Spirit to all flesh. So I would encourage you that the devil wants to dial down the work of the Spirit in his church, in God's church. He wants to confuse people. He wants to plant seeds of doubt. He wants to cause suspicion about his purpose and the relevance today. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's just freedom and there's power. We've had people visit here for the first time and just, they said to me, that was powerful. They couldn't really express much more. They said, that was powerful. 
God is amongst us and he wants to speak through his word, but he wants to speak through his Holy Spirit. He wants to speak through the, the light and the angel, but he wants to speak through you to walk across the room and share Christ. So let's not dial down. Let's, let's create an environment where his spirit and his word is spoken and received. Let's pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts.